0: Malaysia's service economy is very internal. It's like the US. Yes. Right. So how, why do I say Malaysia is like US or ASEAN? The Malaysian economy is very, uh, draws a lot of parallels to the US economy. It's very diversified, uh, relatively speaking, right? Uh, it has a huge internal service contribution, right? It is not hostage to external forces, right? And uh, the government, because of this, right, the double-edged sword is that you get low growth because it's so diverse, right? But the government is more or less in control.
1: Before we begin the podcast, have you gotten your free ebook? It's called the Build a Six Figure Portfolio Guidebook. Now, inside it, we share with you the tips and tricks to bring your stock investing skills to the next level. The best part, it's only 10 pages long and it's totally free. Whether you're on Spotify or YouTube, the link to download is in the description or you can go to www.firl.co F-R-E-E or www.firl.co free. All right, guys, welcome back to the podcast. It's going to be an interesting one today. We will be talking about Malaysia's GDP. And we have with me, a uh, co-host today, Mr. Leon. Um, Hello. Badminton coach. Why is he here? I'm not sure. But, you know, it is what it is. And uh, we have a recurring guest, returning guest, which is Mr. Aaron. Uh, welcome back to the pod, uh, Aaron.
0: Hi, nice to be here.
1: Okay. So, uh, Aaron wrote, a an article in Substack about where he broke down Malaysia's GDP and how it is the highest I believe in ASEAN percentage wise but you know these are just the headline facts and we like to drill a little bit deeper I heard that you know this growth is a bit uh, some people saying on Twitter is a bit fake or misleading because, oh, there's, a, you know, EPF allowed withdrawals, so that's why private consumption is high. Um, as usual, there will be a lot of skeptics on, every time there's something good about Malaysia, immediately there will be some skepticism trying to, you know, pull it down. Uh, whether it's legitimate or not, I guess that's where we have to dig into the data. But so Aaron, like what's your, how do you look at the 8.7%, you know, FY22?
0: Yeah, so uh, I'll get into that. But before I start, uh, let me just say, right, I would I have a lot of respect for the work done by both our economics minister Rafizi as well as BNM Governor yes. Shamsiah. So uh, this is my opportunity to uh, do a co call, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I would love to have coffee with you guys, if you allow me.
1: Yes, and I will also <laughs> follow up with my own co call. Uh, we would like to have you on the podcast as well. Maybe Aaron, you can join us uh, if we do get them.
0: Yeah, then I'll be sitting on your side. Yeah, you'll be sitting where <laughs> Leon is sitting. Yeah. yeah, sure, sure. And
1: maybe Leon can sit here. Say. Sure. Okay. Uh, yeah. Yes, yeah. So so yeah, maybe break down on some of the key points about this GDP. Is it real? How much of it is real? How much of it is just once off and you know, not so real? Yeah,
0: yeah, sure. So actually uh everything is on my blog. Right? You can go to valueinvesting.subset.com to read uh you know the summary here. But uh, you know, uh I, I'm gonna show you some stats, right? so that will actually make it a bit more interesting and what we can basically see is that okay maybe i'll give a little bit of of context uh. so in malaysia's 4q gdp right uh we grew eight point sorry seven percent right and which brought the full year gdp to 8.7 percent because 3q was a whopping 14.2 and if we actually look at my uh article right sorry the particular chart is all the way at the bottom. Okay, <laughs> so uh, there's a chart here, right, at the bottom article, and you can see that this is Maybank's uh, research, right? right. Uh, this was done immediately after three Q, so it doesn't incorporate four Q data, but you can see from a yellow, uh, <coughs> sorry, highlights, right, that the main contributors to three uh, Q's GDP and also the forecast, context being that three Q is the major contributor to the full year forecast. Well, three things, are uh, private consumption, government consumption, and uh, net exports. So uh, if we go to the GDP formula, it is Y GDP yes. equals to C plus I plus G plus X. Yep, right? net C, exports. Yeah. Right? C is consumers, I is investments, G is government, X is net exports. So you can see government and net exports here. And interestingly, it's private consumption, which is C, right? And I, to some extent, which, sorry, net is just C and which actually uh, contributed the most. Uh, you may see the exports and imports being higher, but uh, imports actually deducts from GDP.
1: Correct is a right?
0: yeah, because GDP is a value add figure. It is only what activity which happens within the borders. Correct, as opposed to the GNP. Right, so exports minus imports is actually a negative figure per their full year forecast, which may have changed by now. But still, the largest contrib- contributor was actually private consumption. So I actually uh, talk about. So
1: one way to look at it is that one has to take the exports and imports, uh, kind of combine them together and net off each other. So in, if I eyeball it correctly, it's basically two point nine negative two point nine. Yes, correct. So
0: let me just digress a little bit. The reason for that is because a lot of exports are just two things: e and e sector, which is basically semiconductor value chain, and oil and gas sector. So on the E and E side, a lot of the imports are used just to produce the finished goods for for the export. So there's a direct correlation. Oil and gas, we all know that you know there's a spread uh, played by the government, which is that they import uh, sour crude and export the our own production of sweet crude. Yep. So again, there's a direct correlation, right? It's just an offsetting thing. So that is why Malaysia's net exports is not a large or material contributor to GDP. Right? It's really uh. Either private consumption or government. Yeah.
1: So, what do you think of the criticism that you know the private consumption is really not uh, sustainable as a result of people withdrawing from EPF, spending it in the in the government, uh, in the in the economy.
0: Yeah, sure. So actually, if you just eyeball it, right, you can see that. So the the last one was fourteen point two percent. Yeah. Right. And uh, to be clear, we're just eyeballing it but if you take an average of private consumption and government consumption and also exports imports, right? You will see that it's more or less roughly around like 9, 10%. Right. right? So that means that, uh, okay, the low base effect is attributable to the gap, right? This nine ten percent is a legitimate one. Whereas the remainder 3, 4% is more due to low base effects. Right. As opposed to the low base effect being the most of 3 GDP, mm. Right. So uh, low base effect was only more or less one-third of that 14%, right? Or if you were just eyeballing it. And anyway, we all eyeball it anyway because you, you can't really be precise about this kind of thing, right? And I also want to be clarify something, right? So you can see that government consumption was 8.6, private consumption was 11.4. Uh, it's very tempting to say that uh, private consumption was a true leader, leading data here. But we have to also be cognizant of the fact that the government uh, stimulus of the previous quarters could have a lagging contributory effect to private consumption, sure. right? So you talk about uh, petrol subsidies, right? You talk about uh, withdrawals of uh, pension funds, right? Those could also contribute to private consumption. So the figure here shouldn't be taken as a kind of hard science data, or right? Worse. But having said that, it's also technically correct, technically correct to say that private consumption was the main contributor. To the past two quarters of GDP growth, right, which implies it is a legitimate recovery from the pandemic,
1: right. Okay. So we can see that the expectations for twenty twenty three is going to be a lot lower.
0: Um, we'll go into that uh, later because you need a lot of context. But yes, okay,
1: yeah. great. So any any questions?
0: Yeah. Um. So according to your
2: to latest newsletter letter. letter in light of the, the recovery of, of the private consumption, you mentioned that it's a sort of a K- Keynesian uh, recovery, right? Maybe yes. you could expound a little bit more what you mean by a Keynesian recovery.
0: Sure. So uh, in the old days, right, they, we started with a branch of economics called Austrian economics, which yep. basically just observes the natural laws of economics. Mm-hmm. So supply and demand then uh, there are a lot of problems with that, right? So eventually we came up with something called the next generation, the Keynesian approach. Sorry. Which basically says that government should step in, right? To alleviate the pain of the economy. So you do that by stimulus. So the theory is that during, compared to the Austrian economy, okay, so Austrian is like this, right? So good time, bad time, good time, bad time. Yeah,
1: Just let uh, it, let it.
0: Let it be, you know. uh Keynesian basically says that during bad time the pain is too hard uh yeah. to bear. So step government should step in because it's the only guy who can step in out of the G I and C. Right? Yes. And uh recovery, right? And then during the good times, you pay down the debt. Right? right? So on a net basis, you should more or less mirror the Austrian right. approach. Mm-hmm. Uh, now there are a lot of problems with that, but uh that's beyond your question. So that's what Keynesian means. Yeah. Yeah, I, I see.
2: Think that's that's quite interesting, especially for uh, there's a little bit of uh, economics education for
0: our business. Yeah. And Keynesian is actually the current status quo. Everyone does it now.
1: Correct. They, Even a lingo, right? Yes. It's and extreme. part of it
0: is because it's uh much more political acceptable to yep. practice a Keynesian approach mm. than uh than an Austrian approach.
1: Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> I mean, I I I do read up a little bit on what Austrians do, and it's it's very hard for people to say uh the solution is do nothing. Uh.
0: Yeah, it is. Uh, it. I mean just imagine if during COVID, right? Yeah. The government, central banks of the world just say, okay, we're gonna hands off, let let the nature let the, take its Let course. the market forces yeah. do its job. Yeah, uh, yeah. we would probably still be in a deep
1: global recession by now. Fair enough, yeah. fair enough.
0: How about how about what would you say in the long term? Okay. So the problem yeah. is that You're in, talking about decades, right? Yes. In fact we don't even need to go decades. We just yeah. talk about like two election cycles. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Right? So Keynesian approaches in theory, you should pay back during good times. Mm-hmm. But In practice, it doesn't happen because there's a four year election cycle in most democracies. So, uh, you know, when you are supposed to pay back, right, then uh, it doesn't get paid back. So, you see this in all the major democracies, right, Uh, uh, democratic capitalist uh, societies. For instance, the US, the UK. Now, one which has done it really well is Australia. They actually do a proper Keynesian approach, which is during good times they pay back. I I haven't looked into why, but they do. And then it works really well, right? Yeah, I'm sure you know the statistics. You heard before that Australia hasn't really been in a recession for 20 years, Mm -hmm. right? Recession defined as two negative quarters Mm. consecutively. But... uh, So So negative quarters of GDP growth, right? Yes. But so, Keynes wasn't wrong. Mm. It was the execution of it that that is, uh, you know,
1: uh, abused. Mm. Right, right. And
0: to be fair, right, uh, it's difficult not to.
1: Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So... Yeah, I mean, before I move on to balance of payments, like what do you think that Malaysia, I guess, is on the right track? Oh, do you? Because a lot of people sure. are forecasting recession and, you know, I always like to say Malaysia is in a uh 40-year recession now because everyone says that, the, everyone starts their story with, I, I, I got out, or I started my job when it was doing a recession. So I'm like, if everybody says that, I don't know why. When, when When is it actually yeah. not a recession? I mean, that's the Malaysians, a lot of Malaysians say that, mm. right? Sure, so At sure. least in my group of friends and family. So that's so what yeah. I hear all the time. Yeah, we well. hear all the time, right? It's yeah. only bad, lah, this, lah, sure, that. Sure.
0: Well, I think it's important to recognize that Malaysia is a raindrop on the global map, yes. right? We are basically a small cap in terms of like uh, business analogies. So we are not really true, or our governments are not really true, uh, truly in control of our destinies, right? uh when the wind global winds blow right uh we follow. So for instance, uh there's a lot of made up about the Asian Tiger Hades during the nineties. There was a foreign debt fuel uh uh you know boom bubble right? right it is really not accurate I would even say to use that as a baseline for what the average is like or even what the trend line is like that is the top of the bubble at the time. Yeah. Right. And uh um it's important to understand the Malaysian economic health in the context of the global economic trajectory, right? So, for instance, um, you know the current COVID scenario, right? Uh, there's a lot of factors to go into, but basically, our policymakers cannot make decisions independent of the external environment. Yes, right? We are just hostage to it, right? Uh, without going into a very lot of detail, uh, it's important to understand that our policymakers can only make, do the best with what the cuts are dealt with, right? So to come back to your question about 40-year recession stuff, right? Um, in fact, even the headline data doesn't really support that, right? For instance, 2008, we came out of it pretty well, yes, right? Yes. Uh, 2016, okay, we did as bad as the global economy. 2020 we did pretty well. Yep. Right? Again, because of a lot of Keynesian stimulus. Right. Uh what else? Nine I think the real the real baseline that most uh how would I say most complainers have <laughs> about our economy, right? Is that it's 997. That's when you're comparing us to, right? right. So 994, 97, Asian Tiger Heydays, we used to be so good. Up to now we haven't or we haven't really grown yeah. beyond that much, right? It's very important to remember that was a bubble, it was a boom. it yes. was a depth-filled binge, not just by Malaysia, but the by region, the whole region right so using that as a baseline, I would say is a bit optimistic
1: yeah, and also like you use, use the word baseline, I mean we're starting from a much lower base obviously, or even a trend
0: line yeah you know I mean? yeah yeah
1: so how like moving on to balance payments, I think this is another one that a lot of people like to talk about Malaysia negatively, yep. and that is actually the you know, FDIs and stuff like that, right? Um, I know, I just came back from Penang
0: yeah.
1: and very new, brand new, brand spanking new buildings and factories are already either just built, finished or in the midst of building. So, and the names that are on those factories are foreign. So I don't see it like with my eyes as to... Why is a bad thing, but perhaps you can share with us some of the data on the the BOP situation.
0: Yes. So uh, BOP is you can effectively okay. In economics, right, on a national level, it's not one-to-one, apples to apples with businesses. Correct. But I'm gonna try and simplify it yep. by drawing analogies, right? So best variance can be sort of thought of your cash, your cash flow. Yes. Right? More or less. It's not accurate, but more or less. So the 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 thing being that if you have a current account surplus, you are drawing cash in from other people, which you can use for your own development internally. Uh, for instance, China is a great exporter, huge great uh current account surpluses, right? That's money from outsiders into the economy, so it's a uh, it's a free lunch kind of thing, right? Yeah. If you are large uh, in large current account deficit like Turkey, right, that means money is coming out of your country, right? And as an isolated concern, your country is losing cash flow. Okay, okay. So that is the context of it. So it's always better to have a good current account surplus, right? Then uh, you can see that Malaysia's current account surplus uh, was positive for both 2021-2022, right? which might explain why they can then use their money for Keynesian stimulus. As compared to, let's say, America, which is in current account deficit, and it has to come out with its own money, to do all its kinsing stimulus, right, at the country's own expense. Uh, and the current account surplus is made up of uh two th- two main things, right? Either, sorry, yeah, goods, goods and services, but most of the time it's goods. Because yes. if you think about what can be exported out of the country, yeah, it's, it's good
1: physical stuff like right? manufacturing, yeah. Correct.
0: So uh and you can see that Malaysia's current account surplus is almost wholly entirely contributed by goods. Yes. Which is going back to the two things. Uh one is E and E and one is oil and, gas. Oil and gas. Right. So uh on a headline level is really simple story. We have a lot of current account surplus, which we can then use outsiders' money or receive outsiders' money to do whatever one inside the economy. Yeah.
1: yeah. Okay, okay. Yeah.
0: Uh okay, so current account supplies is the biggest component of the BOP typically, right? In more developed economies, the capital account, the financial account is very important. Uh, but in emerging markets, including China, uh, I would say capital and financial account are less important. As you can see, the contribution is negligible, right? So what are the capital accounts and financial accounts? So that again, like I said, current account earlier is mostly just trade of goods. Right? Yes. Capital account is representing your FDIs, right? Your investments. Uh, Just think of it as KPEX. It's easier as contrast to current account, trade of goods, which is more of like a profit kind of situation. your financial account is uh, basically uh, I'm not sure how to describe it like cash equivalents right so it doesn't really fall in the current account doesn't really fall in the capital account so for instance right previously a capital account and financial account is together right now the capital account and financial account
1: is separate am I right to say that this is the part where you know every time people complain that foreigners are selling uh, stocks in Busan Malaysia and they're taking it out that's where portfolio investment comes in right correct
0: um yeah, so for instance you would have expected a lot oh I expected a lot of the recent talk about FDIs, you know, the Intel plan, uh the ECRL yes, and yes. the revival HSR correct, correct. to be reflected in four Q's capital account. Right? But it hasn't. But it hasn't. Which implies that there is probably more FDI contribution to come in the coming years. I see. Uh so uh which is a great thing, right? Yes. Uh, financial account, Mm, I mean, just don't hope too much, I guess, right? Right. It's quite small anyway. Yes. Yeah. So in Malaysia's case, it's really just a trade of good story, right? Not just a current kind of story, but a trade of good story.
1: One thing I can get your thoughts on is, you know, when people talk about foreigners selling their stakes, right, in Malaysian companies, that worries a lot of Malaysian investors. Does it worry you as an investor in Malaysian stocks as well?
0: You referring to stocks or
1: stocks? Yes. Not not
0: not not FDI kind of release no, kind of thing.
1: No, uh, no.
0: Um. Okay, this is uh needs a lot of context, right? So, uh, the answer is no, right? Because as if you give me the time, I can actually explain how Malaysia is actually basically the US of ASEAN, right?
1: We will get that right yes. after the end when we compare it with other countries. So keep Correct. keep that thought. Any any questions before I I move on to the next one? No, no further.
0: Yes. So if you are comparing us to the likes of the developed economies, right? Yes. Obviously, Malaysia might
1: look a little bit. Training, yes.
0: But and including Singapore,
1: right? Uh, keeping in mind that Singapore is a city state. Right, but hold hold that thought. I I will, we will come to that comparison with all the companies yes, yes. Uh, a bit later on. I just have a couple of things I wanna touch before we go on to that. Yes, uh, I think one thing that's definitely on people's mind is inflation and unemployment. I think that in Malaysia, because of the labor, the, the the way our labor laws are structured, right? Unemployment is actually quite hard to come by. And a lot of people, I'm gonna say this in the nicest way, like, a lot of unemployable people end up taking emoluments from the government. <laughs> Okay. That's, that's my opinion. Sure. So in that sense, uh, our employment is quite controlled, right? Yeah. I think we are known for having one of the most bloated uh, civil service in, in the world. Uh, but of course, a, as we know with inflation, uh, all the big contributing factors of inflation is starting to, uh, some tank, some just decline, right? Energy prices have dropped. Um, shipping rates and uh, transportation Supply chain chain stuff have dropped. Uh, We know like, uh, well, housing is a a bit of a question mark. Um, Food, I'm not too sure, but I know in general, the general trend is that inflation is dropping. But what have you discovered looking in the Malaysian data and your own thoughts on inflation and the employment issue? Yeah, so actually our
0: inflation is relatively well contained. If you look at 2021 and 2022, you know, it's averaging about 3%, which is... Basically, our historical trend, right. right? So, the reason is a lot to do with Keynesian stimulus, right? So, for instance, there was a lot of uh, petrol subsidies. Yes, there was a huge contributor yes. to tamping down inflation in a way which doesn't show up in the headline data, right? Directly, correct. And uh, you know the egg subsidies, the chicken, whatnot, no. chicken, right? Uh, there's a whole story about chicken stimulus, uh, <laughs> stimulus. Yeah. but anyway, all these things contribute to lowering inflation, yes. right? And uh, it's important to also look at these figures in the context of global inflation, right? Like I said, Malaysia is not an isolated concern. So we import stuff, we export stuff, right? We are subject to the winds of global inflation. And obviously, yes, from an absolute standpoint, in isolation, Malaysia's inflation went up a lot, but it actually went up a lot less than the likes of the US, the likes of Europe, right? Uh, So... Um relative to that reality, our inflation actually performed pretty well.
1: Yes. Now,
0: the reason is also because a lot of Keynesian stimulus. So that came at a cost of
1: that. Yes, and that's why we talk about the current uh sorry, the fiscal, fiscal deficit yes. later on. So hold that. Sure. But yeah, continue on inflation.
0: Yes. So inflation actually didn't really uh and, and let's be clear, these are just official data, right? It's uh, more or less not really aligned with like on the ground, how you feel, cost of yeah, living, right? Uh, for instance, uh, house prices don't really show up in- uh, <laughs> Yeah, in, in, right? the CPI, in the CPI, or yeah, right? the basket, yeah. Correct, so uh, with that caveat, you can see the data is actually pretty decent. I mean like yeah. 4%, like what's that, right? Relative to- You can't really complain. Like, yeah, right? you look at US, right, it's like 8%. Yeah, right? Like today is what, still 6%, right? Yeah. So yeah. that's six. terrible, <laughs> okay. That's double right? 6.4. Uh, right? Okay. Even core inflation. So uh highlight to draw is core inflation was pretty much the same as headline inflation, which means that food and uh food and oil and gas did not necessarily contribute on a volume basis to headline inflation. Right. Right. Uh then moving on to unemployment. Unemployment is low. I mean, honestly, 3.5% is the lowest you can get, right? Realistically. I'm hoping this is U3, right? It could be U6, I don't know, but- uh, Sorry, can you clarify about U3 and U6? What do you mean? U3 is a standard uh, standard way of describing a labor force because there is, there is the unemployment is actually a part of the labor force. You can see the word labor yes. force on top, right? It's not a part of the population. Yes. So what correct. does labor force mean? Labor force means that-
1: The able working adults,
0: correct. right? Working yeah. adults, including those not working, but it's still part of the labor force. So, there are three categories of these people. One is. uh, I'm going back to my econ's
1: class days, (laughs) really.
0: One is. I'm also going back now. (laughs) One is uh, looking but cannot find. So, that is engaged, if I'm not wrong. Yeah. There's depressed, which is uh, not even trying to look, but uh, not yet across a certain period before they fall out of the labor force. Yes. And there's one more I was You yeah, just got Google yeah, your U3, I, right? I forgot already. Yeah, uh, that's
1: yeah. why I didn't do so well in A2. So uh, U6 includes everyone of the whole population. Yeah. And then
0: includes the people who are like not even trying. Right? Like you know, your guy yeah. who is living his mom's basement. thing. So Google they are like. excluded la, from this discussion. Yes, for a very good reason. Because if you're not even bothering to try, right? Uh there's a good reason for it. You so to give
1: people a sense, right, the pop Malaysia has 33 million people. You're talking about, I'm going to butcher this, but 20 million of them? We can literally Google it now. I, I yeah. don't remember, right? Yeah, maybe maybe you can uh, Google labor yeah. force size yeah. of Malaysia. Uh, I, uh, I yeah. forgot already. It's something along the line of 50, 60% of the population. Correct. Don't but be wrong.
0: Generally speaking, there's no need to pick on this because yeah, when you're course, talking course, about large numbers like this, of course. there is just no way to be precise about it. It's all uh, labor
1: force participation rate, yes. Yeah. But if, but uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Six, correct. Seventy oh, percent of uh, yeah. 33 million is about twenty million lah. Uh. Correct. But you have
0: to remember that Malaysia is an emerging economy, right? So yes, you correct. have a lot of people who are uh not living in urban areas, right? Correct. And who are just not you know, let's say you're you're helping your dad, right? Like doing something in the in the rice fields, right? You probably don't fall under the labor force yeah yes. right? Maybe U4, U5 kind of thing, right? Fair enough. So but anyway, like I said, there's no need to nitpick on it. Of just course. take a numbers at, at face value because right, anyway,
1: right. it's going to be wrong by, by quite a bit. <laughs> so, right. uh, any question on inflation and unemployment? No. So, we... Yeah,
0: uh, on, are yeah. We, uh are we moving on to fiscal? Uh, we,
1: no, we don't have to if you
0: have anything to add. Yeah, sure, sure. So, okay, you can see that the uh, unemployment was pretty decent, right? And I just want to add, right, that uh, two things. One, uh, there's a recent article by that Jeff Williams, the economist, mm-hmm. uh, if you want to meet up for coffee, right, yeah. feel free. Um, he mentioned that there is, uh, the, the way they classify employed persons is anyone who has done at least one hour of work in the prior week. Whoa. Right? Okay. So that again, you I know, qualify. Yeah. May or may yeah. not. Uh, Actually, I think both of us probably not in, not, yes, not right. in the labor, not, we okay, the labor ah, force. I am unemployed. But yeah. we are considered unemployed. Right? Nice. Uh, then, don't need pay tax. Yeah. whoa, whoa. whoa. <laughs> Sorry, cut, cut. <laughs> okay. And then you look at your M1, right? Uh, you know, it's, it's like 10%, 4%, right? So US, for for instance, was
1: 100%. Yeah.
0: Right? yeah. Maybe 50% over two years, uh, you know? Right?
1: Yeah, well, 40% uh, of all uh, M2 yes. or M3 was printed in, in 2020 no, to 2022 or something like that. Basically
0: half. that. Yeah. And and the previous half was printed in 2008. So yeah. if you really want to go into a really deep nerdy territory, right? So okay, let's stick to yeah. Malaysia. <laughs> sure. So... um yeah, you know our M two is like six percent, four percent, right? Yeah. So which is, I mean, it's it's fine, which means it did not necessarily contribute a lot to uh, Keynesian stimulus. Right. Right. Uh, and part of that is also understandably because we are not a reserve currency. You yes. Can't read, we 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 are a small emerging nation.
1: Uh, if you touch play with this, right? Uh, you. We actually out, uh, have to spend the money we make, lah.
0: Yes, which is where the current account surplus comes exactly. in. So a lot of our stimulus was. Because we had good income, current account surplus, that was a source, including the likes of China. Yes, right. As compared to say the US, Japan, you know, kind of thing. Yeah,
2: actually, that 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 statement that we have to make, we have to spend the money that we make, right? That refers to how uh, we we as a nation have to rely on consumption in order to sustain our GDP growth, right? So, what what is your stance on that? Like. Do you think it's sustainable to rely on consumption but well, what what about other things for example like productivity
0: what's your stance on that okay sure so uh again it, 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 to answer your question it', it, it is, uh good to remember the context that we are a uh, emerging market right so the baseline should be at the average emerging market level we shouldn't be trying to compare with the developed right, economies right. Yeah. relative to that lower baseline right uh, Malaysia is actually really really good. Uh, that's why I call it the US of ASEAN. Why do I say this? First of all, we still have quite robust current account surpluses. Right? And with the new semiconductor geopolitical significance, uh, we are going to see a lot more current account surpluses coming from that. And I say a lot, uh, mean, I mean basically a lot. FDI, right? Uh, no, not this. FDI is not current account, that's okay. capital account. So both capital account as well as trade of goods. Right, right. Current
1: account will be like the stuff we make here and sell for money. Correct, correct. So what, well, we export basically. Yeah, net, yeah exactly, net, exactly, exactly, exactly.
0: So, um, and then, uh, so on the current account surplus, which means income from foreigners, we are doing decently, right? Mm. On But at the same time, we are also very diversified, right? So for instance, uh, relatively yes. diversified. For instance, we have a pretty decent, how, how do I say? Uh, a consumption economy. Right. So, our yes. perception economy is actually way ahead of China's from right. a per capita basis, right? from a, from a unit basis. Right? So, I mean, China's exports is still
1: a very significant part of the economy. I can't remember what. Uh, it's about 20 to 20, 25% of the economy, something like that, I believe. I, I don't GDP? really remember. Yeah, I don't remember. Somewhere like that, yeah. I, I don't want to make. Uh, yeah. you know, mistake right sure, sure. so i'm just going to say that malaysia's economy we is can, much yeah, more can google like the exports yeah, as a percentage can of gdp for china can, you can find out yeah, yeah. Uh,
0: malaysia as well as uh, china's for china. China, yeah. right, uh, exports as a percentage of the gdp and then uh so malaysia has a really decent like consumption based economy
1: yes. which means we are not necessarily it's about 60%, 60 percent 65 65 percent of gdp right yeah, I think it's right. around there. Yeah, because services there you go, 20%, twenty percent, twenty twenty one. Yeah, yeah. right. I remember all these numbers for no, for no apparent reason. I don't know why.
0: Yeah. So, yeah. um, in contrast to let's say, okay, it's not about China, but about Thailand, right? Mm. Thailand, a lot of the twenty G- percent of GDP is come from tourism. <laughs> it's like nineteen. Mm-hmm. Other people's percent.
1: consumption. Yeah. yeah
0: right. Yeah. Current account. Right. Uh, then uh, another large percentage is coming from the exports. So, you know, they do a lot of like hard drives, yes, a lot yes. of like uh, car parts food, that, yeah. Right? a car parts, right? Basically, uh, uh, low value added manufacturing, same as Malaysia. Right? So, that is another large part of uh, income that is not really within your control. Right. So, if the foreigners get in trouble, you get in trouble as well, right? So, Malaysia is quite well diversified away from that relative to most other ASEAN economies.
1: Right. We and will go really deep into this, once we talk about the after we talk about the fiscal account cuz i want to get on this correct. as well so inflation for for those of you listening although our inflation is controlled we are really just classifying the risk in a different way in my the way i see it is that instead of putting it under inflation we're just going to call it fiscal deficit because the government is tanking this right and there is a cost to be paid because there's, as the saying goes, There's no free lunch. Yep. Uh, you know, it's just like in Germany. There's no such thing as free education. Yes, they say they're free education. Someone's paying for it. Mm-hmm. But the teachers are not working for free. I will assume yes. yep. the buildings didn't build themselves. Yes, and that will have you know. There's a right now. I believe our fiscal deficit. For those of you who know, fiscal deficit is just the the government's losses. Uh, it's about six percent. Am I right to say that? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's about 6% of GDP. You can think of it as yes. And historically, pre-2008, was it? It's uh, closer to four? Yes. Yes. And that's obviously a worrying sign, right? Because if the deficit continues, it means that either we have to raise taxes, we have to add on more debt, which affects fiscal def- uh, the position in a different way. But what are your thoughts on this?
0: Yeah, okay. So just to uh, give you some numbers, right? So as you can see, the past two years... Our deficit was negative, average 6%, right? Which, uh, okay, which is which actually makes a bit more sense when you compare to the context that we have been in uh, around average negative 4% fiscal deficits for the most of the past two decades. Since ninety seven. Right, so your fiscal deficit can be likened to ROE, right? So it's a loss relative to your equity, more or less. Right? For the government. Yes, so your GDP is the analogous yes, to Yes. Yeah. And uh, yeah, and, and obviously this is not sustainable, right? So when people complain a lot about Malaysia legitimately is that we are using a lot of debt to service growth and our growth is also not that fantastic. Correct. It's, like, it's like 4% GDP growth. Yeah. When you're using <laughs> equal amount in terms of debt, right? Uh, it, It's not great, right? Uh, that is a legitimate complaint. Uh, but, uh, you know, going back to what we were saying earlier, uh, everything else is pretty average, right? It's okay, like, you know, It's not it's not kilometers, uh. So, to answer your question about deficits, right? Um, in the context of inflation, so, yes, there was a lot of uh, deficits incurred for inflation. And that did help a lot. And yes, I think there's just no hidden context here. It's just not good because your government is thanking it on behalf of the sector. Right. right? But you also have to remember that this was done in a very tumultuous political environment. Era. Mm. Right, so from the policymaker's perspective, maybe that took precedence. Yes. Right? So that is the context we have, right? It, it wasn't just like the policymaker's just playing out. Right? Uh, but still, that still comes at a legitimate cost to the government. Right. Which is an increase in your debt to GDP. Right? right? So uh, government debt to GDP is currently about, officially, it's about 1.1 trillion. So that brings us to, wait, let me just see if I can, okay, here. Yeah. So it's about 1.1 trillion officially, right? Yes. Which implies roughly sixty three percent. Yeah. You can quite sixty five percent. There was the
1: debt ceiling of sixty-five percent, right? Correct.
0: But if you add in uh so that includes eight hundred eight billion of domestic government debt, right? Which means owned by uh owned by domestic uh parties, and about uh two hundred sixty six billion, sorry, yeah, two hundred sixty six billion of External government debt. The, I, I think this is a
1: great point because I remember having a debate with someone on the US government debt mm. and obviously the US is what 22 trillion US dollars I think or maybe more in government debt but I remember doing very cursory research and it showed that about two thirds of it was owned by their own people. Yes. Which meant that in a way, two-thirds of it is still within line because a lot of people say that, well, the US will start to owe China money. But then when you look at it, they only uh, China only has about 3 trillion of the of the debt. Uh, Japan, something similar, which is, you know, like 10%, 12% of the entire sure, debt. Sure. Only. It's not really that big, right? So it seems to me that Malaysia, in that sense, is a lot safer because 80% of the debt is owned internally. Owed to people Malaysians.
0: Yes, that's true. Um, so when you say oh, okay, I think the debt to GDP figure uh, is more understandable or intuitive in the context of seeing it as net debt to GDP, mm. right? So like the Americans, they owe a lot of debt, but they owe it to their own social security. Correct. So basically, social security has cash. They lend it to the to the to the White House, yes. right? Executive branch. Uh, that is cash taken out of social security for the White House yeah. to be put into investments or whatever, right? Uh, and that is a debt owned by the government, owed by the government. Yes. But the cash was already within the country to begin with. Correct. So on a net debt basis, more or less like zero, right? Just in yeah. this example. And that is also Singapore's government debt to GDP situation. Yeah. Uh, so net debt is the more intuitive way to understand in layman's right, terms, right. right? So this gross debt, this is gross debt to GDP, is so 63%. It's bad, but uh it's owed to within your own countrymen. Uh not taking away from the fact that it's still debt, right? Uh it's still financial repression on the private sector. But it's not as bad as owning foreigners, huh? Right. Yeah. So if you own foreigners, uh come how hell high water, you gotta pay. Right? Yes. Uh and uh that's where the it's only two hundred and sixty-six billion. So you can see yeah, yeah. I remember um,
1: reading somewhere before like there's some debt that the the, US, the 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 UK government is still paying for like the eighteen hundreds. or yes. so The 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 UK the British Empire they're still paying off. Yes. There's an yeah.
0: annuity debt. Uh, yeah, a sort yeah. of annuity version of that. Correct. Correct. Uh, war bonds. Yeah,
1: yeah, That's yeah. That's how correct. they attracted it. Right. No, but a two hundred year payback. Yeah, fee, but right? you have
0: to remember something also. That is a nominal uh debt repayment. Yeah. Right. Based on, and then it has been inflated like over hundred years. Correct, correct. Correct. So it's basically that negligible thing. already. So is it really? A risk the sixty percent
1: that uh, I would say
0: that sixty percent is pretty high for a, a small economy. Okay, with no reserve currency status. Mm. Right, I mean, sixty percent would be something will be safer when you are like China size, right? right? China is about forty,
1: right? That's
0: not going public. To, public, like public, public, yes. that, public that public <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. I know it's another yeah. Yeah, yeah. Public, just public that lah, Yeah,
0: there's a really uh,
1: yeah yeah right right uh, yeah yes. Yeah.
0: But anyway, sticking to Malaysia, right? Uh, when you are 60% and you're so small and you have no growth, right? So GDP growth is in- important uh, because you can use the growth to pay back the debt. Yes. Right. And also you can use the growth to, to inflate away the debt. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> right? So um, uh, I would say 63% is is as evidenced by the fact that we have hit the debt ceiling. Yes. Uh, it's high. Right? That's a like a, a a borderline of safe approach really, right? But to be fair, you've got to remember that. This was incurred during the past two years of COVID. Correct. You know, I think very few people give credit to our, our global policymakers for the fact that we basically survived unscathed from the black plague. Right? Like in two thousand years from now, right? People are gonna look back as a point in history about how mankind as a whole basically escaped unscathed from a black plague level of uh uh, uh catastrophe.
1: Maybe they won't even know because there was not much they'd be like, huh? Only like a few No, this will be died, used, yeah. right, as a matter of survivorship bias yeah. to
0: justify overt Keynesian policy yes, yes. as a remedy to a pandemic kind of, kind of risk, right? It will be used for, for, for a long time, right? You know, people look back and say, hey, look, only 1% of the global population died, right? And honestly, we take it for granted. But if you go back to the uncertainty, which I still remember at the time, right? Uh, for the policy maker decisions, what we have achieved as a global civilization is nothing short of incredible. Yeah, right. It is really incredible. Like seriously, we take too much for granted. Uh, and all the debt inflation has incurred since then. Uh, personally, I don't speak for anyone else, but personally, I think it's a fair cost, right? Because it could have been a lot worse in terms of human lives. Just think about India during Delta. Right? If that happened for the entire world, it could have been a lot worse. Yeah. Yeah. So um, yeah, coming back to your question about government debt, I would say it's high. It's, it's definitely high. And uh, 1.5 trillion, if you include the contingencies, right, which is your 1MDB stuff, right, uh, as well as other liabilities, like they have to uh, give contingent uh guarantees for ECRL, HSR kind of thing. Then it goes up to 1.5 trillion. So depending on, your, but that is normally not included in the gross debt figure, yeah. gross debt GDP figure. So at 63%, yeah, we're up here already. But It's not a ticking time bomb, right? Because one, uh, okay, if you look down, the public debt service ratio is 15, 18%. So that is your interest expense as a percentage of uh, GDP. And sorry, not GDP. As a percentage of tax revenues. Revenues. Uh, Not tax revenues, sorry. Total revenues, right? Uh, That is uh, not great, right? But it's not near either Japan or USA, which are like 100%. (laughs) Yeah. Right? And also... um, yeah, the other thing is that we don't have any more risk headroom in terms of more Keynesian stimulus. So for instance, in 2023, if the Anuan administration tries to increase more debt to uh you know implement more stimulus to help the right uh, I don't think that is a very tenable option. You're definitely gonna get pushback from oppositions, legitimately, right? And also, uh keep in mind we don't have a lot of GDP growth right 5 percent i mean it's okay lah but it's not great la, right
1: i mean the global context is really decent la, right
0: yes but in the context of paying back your debt yeah right, right this is effectively financial repression okay it's not financial repression in that context but it is uh reducing our capacity for more investments more growth right so let's assume uh, uh malaysia is a uh, uh, a single loan country in space right there's no us there's no china there's no external current accounts surplus there's no capital accounts as an isolated matter. We going
1: to pay back our own debt with
0: our current GDP growth.
1: But of course, if you're isolated, who, 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 who do we owe that debt to? We are just there. No, no I mean,
0: so what the I matter. mean is that you it's kind of difficult to see how you're going to pay back. Yeah. Right? Uh, like one last thing I would say is, uh, there was something in my head just now. One last thing I would say is that, um, the other thing I would say is that our reserves, okay, so this external debt figure here of one point one 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 four four billion.
1: Yes uh, It's
0: all that Including government Households and Yeah Businesses Which is the correct Reference point to make When you're comparing To our foreign reserves Right Right Reserves are there to s- Defend against Short term Speculative volatility Right You don't want the Ringgit To suddenly pop Right For our exporters Or importers Is really bad Yep So uh, We have half of that Right okay. Which is Pretty really okay Pretty decent
1: So How do we get out of this? Okay, maybe I'll structure the question this way. What can we cut? And what can we add to revenue?
0: (coughs) No, I think to answer your question, the answer is really outsiders. (laughs) Ah. So uh, you know that Indo-Pacific is becoming of geopolitical significance. Yes, And you're going to see a lot of competing from the first world and second world actors for favour on our side. So as you know, Philippines has thrown its way to the US already, right? uh Malaysia a bit more difficult to make a decision because we have a large Chinese population. on no, uh, the fans
1: are just like, well.
0: Yeah, I mean we're talking about money, right? economics. Need, right? uh, but still, uh there's going to be a lot of competition from both sides to gain our favor. Right? So uh and because we are so small relative to the world, there is just going the contribution from outside is just going to overwhelm whatever we can do on our own. Right? So I would say there is hope because of external, right? right? On the internal side, what can we cut? Uh? Let me think. Uh. Uh, I think Be that- Be careful. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> we can definitely implement GST.
1: That is really important. Well, that's yeah. on the sales, the, the revenue side uh, of things. Yeah. Right?
0: Yeah. I mean, just asking revenue income, yeah. and, and, and expenses, right? Yeah, yeah. So GST is definitely one
1: uh we let me see uh. Uh, wait, wait, before we go on to the others right let's talk yeah. a bit about gst i i don't know if you i mean you know the numbers on the top of your head right i remember when we got rid of it in 2018 the gst revenue was something like 40 mil, 40 billion i can't remember yeah. right but it was big mm-hmm. la, but so, suppose it was 40 billion like how much does that shave off the deficit
0: no, in the sense that okay, um, I cannot remember right because you're talking about numbers instead of percent.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: Uh, you can Google it and, and and yeah, look yeah actually, um, uh, right.
1: Malaysia GST revenue. Um, right now the six percent deficit is how much loss? That six percent. Uh, again, we can Google. Can Google <laughs> can. okay, okay. Well,
0: may, maybe it's in in sorry in that.
1: Uh. Okay. Got it. Got it. Let's Google. Yeah. Okay. So just
0: oh. to just while we are looking at right, yeah. the reason why GST is so important is because. Uh, it it uh, Im- improves efficiency of tax collection. One hundred percent. Yes, because it, it prevents it avoids tax leakages, right? Because what how GST works is that like VAT, you each actor pays, uh, at every stage of the value chain, right, of the economy. So, um, in essence, right, the downstream guy is also responsible for the upstream guy, right? In terms of uh, everyone is related, right? So it's a lot harder to like do tax evasion on a on a, a single stage. You know what I mean? Uh I mean I don't really have a good example, but this the theory. Uh. Yes. But anyway, it's well established that GST, VAT, uh these things are really good for tax collection. Yes. And I think and, and the important part is that it's a structural change. Yes. It actually there's a step change in terms of how much you actually can can collect.
1: Yes. Right. So the
0: end game for all tax yeah. regimes is a GST kind of thing.
1: So I'm looking at the numbers, right? Uh, while Leon finds the GST revenue, uh, thanks to 8.7% growth, Malaysia GDP is about 290 odd, a uh, billion. And if it's a 6% deficit, you're looking at 24 billion lah, roughly okay. of outflow. So you look, if we, if we get rid of SST and we put in GST, in 2022's context, we, we would be able to wipe out the deficit because at 44 billion mm. in 2017, 17. right? Yeah.
0: But correct. you got to, you also gotta offset the SST.
1: SST. SST yeah. is about twenty odd billion or so, I remember. Yeah, okay, okay. So you you check SST uh twenty twenty two revenue. So essentially with GST we wipe off the the deficit, we go back to zero. Mm. Is my math right? Uh
0: if your math is right, yes. Right. right. But uh yeah, so I feel like a bit a bit Maybe
1: now. maybe it's about 0. 0.5 to one uh, yeah. percent deficit lah. But let's just put it maybe. this way: uh, you wipe out at least half
0: lah. Uh. Yeah, yeah, so yeah minimum it's easily half base,
1: basically twelve billion additional
2: twelve billion from GST.
1: Yeah, um, there you go. Roughly.
0: Another yeah. way
2: to look no, no, at no, it. No, no, no. But you
1: see, this this one is based on SST in twenty twenty two, right? Forecast, yes. Yeah, Whereas forecast. the 44 billion GST was based on 2017 numbers, yeah, which GST, is five, six years ago. Yeah, so today yeah. the GST due to inflation and all that, whatever. It's probably about 50 lah. But yeah, yeah. 50, 50, something. So
0: you got a net increase in twenty. And, and
1: also, I don't know how good the implementation was for the GST in the the first time they did it. If it wasn't, it means that there was actually more left to be collected. No, the beauty about
0: GST, right, is that the model of GST in terms of yes. tax collection yes it's very organic and there's nothing to really enforce. Yes. Because every actor in the downstream is responsible for the upstreams collection. Right, If you really don't do that. Yes. So it's an automatic kind of thing, right? Yeah.
1: Correct. So yeah, uh, it would, it would more or less wipe out a sig- significant amount la, of our deficit. But of course, uh, economics is not just about economics, la. it's about yeah, politics yeah. as well. Uh,
0: Leon, I mean, let, yes. let me have a look at the, the pocket stats. Right? So, uh. So actually, if we were to look at the deficit, tax revenue, two hundred and thirty-three billion. Then you have your non-tax revenue, fifty-one billion. So all in is about quite three hundred billion, nah, just just to give them the benefit of the doubt, right? Yes. So three hundred billion, if you, oh two hundred thirty-three billion, if you increase something's all right, right? Not adding up. Your forty billion of GSD.
1: No, basically, if is if yeah. deficit is six percent of GDP, yeah, GDP yeah. is about two hundred nine. Oh wait, right. So, okay, anyway, let's. Oh go. sorry, uh, I was wrong. So you have to times four. Sorry, the deficit is up closer to hundred billion. Sorry. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Correct. Yeah.
0: I mean, I'm going to be honest. You're I mistake. haven't really looked in the absolute numbers. I tend to think in. The no, percentage. because two
1: hundred ninety four was US dollars. Forgot. Okay. Okay. So it was twenty five billion US dollars. Yes. Twenty four billion US dollars. So you times four point three or four point four right now would be like hundred ten maybe. Yeah, 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 So 110. If we implement GST, we would probably shave off <clears throat> 40 billion, 12 billion off la mm. fifth let's go twenty, la, because we adjust. Correct. And so we six, reduce it to about 4%, four percent, four point five percent.
0: Correct. And a six percent uh deficit figure would equal around
1: eighty billion, we more or less. 24 times 4.
0: Uh, the GDP is... So it's 6% of GDP, right? Yes. So our GDP now is about 1.5 trillion.
1: It's 394 US dollars. Uh, three hundred ninety four billion US dollars. Yeah, about that. 1. 1.4, 1. five, right? Yeah. So you walk backwards. Shave off a quarter lo, of yeah, the yeah, deficit. Yeah.
0: Nah, I mean, anyway, better we than we nothing, just... La.
1: Yeah. Better than, than nothing. nothing. Yeah, and yeah. then that grows also the GST, right? If we yes. no, Importantly,
0: well. the GST gives... And a huge revenue, a relatively huge avenue for incremental tax collection. Yeah. Right. I mean, how do you, how else will you just shave off a lot of your deficit overnight? Yes. Right. Like, like those things come with increased productivity growth,
1: right. which takes decades. Right. right. So uh, GST is good for the country. So yes, not popular to say, but it, the math shows that. Mm-hmm. Uh, But how about other expenses and different ways for more revenue?
0: Mm, Let me think. uh, I haven't really considered this question. Uh, You're not a policy
1: maker. You're an investor. So I don't expect you to have the answer. Yeah,
0: yeah, but I mean, economists should know. (laughs) Uh, In the sense that... Let me think. uh, I don't really know what our expenditure is going to in terms of contribution. Sure, sure, sure. Right? Uh, I imagine a lot of it is going into into uh capital account stuff, right? FDIs, PPPs, right? Uh, stimulus was definitely a huge contributor in the last two years. <coughs> yeah. And also don't forget we have non-government side of uh, investments from the sovereign wealth funds, right? Yep. So, uh, I don't think there's a one-liner I can give. For a, sure. Yeah, yeah.
1: Okay, so uh, Leon, before I move on, any questions on this?
0: Not at the moment.
1: All right, okay. so I think the last question is, why is Malaysia the US of ASEAN or even Asia you, ASEAN la, I Assume right? Yeah, yeah.
0: No, I, let's just. That's very like.
1: unique because I think Malaysia is quite a slapped on country yeah. economics wise. When you ask people, you know, name me an ASEAN country, we are number six. The name is number six, right? You'll mm-hmm. be Singapore, uh, Thailand first, Singapore second. Bali third, right? they won't know as Indonesia, it's Bali, okay. Philippines, Vietnam, or Nam, yeah. but uh, <coughs> Malaysia m- might not even be mentioned, right? Uh, yet, when you look at per capita figures, we are only behind Brunei and Singapore and Brunei and Singapore is not even worth comparing because of the size. Yeah. Uh, we are, you know, we are an upper middle income country mm-hmm. and uh, our per capita income is amazing. Yeah uh for uh, our developing status and of course as a Malaysian Chinese, if you isolate ourselves out and you compare it relative to our GDP contribution, uh, you know, the boom putra in this uh in the country contributes about seventeen percent. So you can do the math as to how much the Chinese contribute. Yeah. Uh we are essentially for Malaysian Chinese, we are essentially first world income already. Yes. So but yeah that's just those are just my thoughts but why why is Malaysia the US of ASEAN.
0: Yeah. Okay. So this is probably our last question. I think you asked about budget also on Thursday.
1: Thursday, yeah. No, I I think we'll leave the budget uh, but unless you want to talk about it. Okay, it's up to you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, But but
0: anyway, uh, okay, I think it's important to understand the context of Malaysia in the context of uh, the historical model of economic national development. Sure. Right. So, um I mean, just as a headline thing, look at the numbers here in like Malaysia. All our neighbours are down there, right? Indonesia. You'd be surprised that Philippines is actually 13K. Yeah. <laughs> right? And then uh, Malaysia I and know. Singapore is... like Philippines
1: right. not there, right? I don't see yeah, Philippines yeah, is not there. I mean, right, okay, right. you find another the But they are quite high, like, yeah.
0: No. Uh, the, yeah. Philippines is really high up there. And then, uh, which is very surprising because their population is only half of Indonesia. Indonesia is more or less. Uh. Um... Malaysia is just skyrocketing above everyone else, including Thailand. And Singapore is obviously skyrocketing above Malaysia, right? But it's a city-state,
1: right? Yes. So, I, it's, it's more apt to compare KL and Singapore. Yes, correct.
0: Uh, no, in fact, it's more apt to compare Singapore with the likes of like, Hong Kong, Latinx yeah, true, City, true. right? In terms of actual countries, Malaysia's GDP per capita is the highest in ASEAN.
1: Yes, right?
0: correct. By a, by a yard mound. If you right?
1: exclude Singapore and Brunei, yes, correct. Yeah, yeah.
0: So actually, if you think in terms of the... Okay, I think, right, where people are coming from when they say Malaysia underperforms, right, is that they are comparing with the leaders of the world, right? People who have had hundreds of years of economic development, people who are... Some are one is literally the hegemon of the world, right? Uh, former colonies. Japan, right? And, and China today, right? Uh, That is not really a fair comparison, right? The real fair comparison is the absolute zero mark, right? And then how much we have increased relative to others who started at the same zero mark. So the the zero bound here is probably the post-World War II, uh environment, right?
1: Yeah, which it is available, But I, I can see there's a zero mark, yeah. Yeah, so let's zoom out a lot, huh?
0: Post-World War II right, is when most of your emerging markets today right, uh, really started on an equal footing. So your South Korea was a marsh, has no commodities. Taiwan was a dictatorship, right? Japan was flattened, <laughs> yes. right? Germany was flattened, right? Uh, I, I I don't know. Vietnam was non-existent. Uh, Cambodia haven't even had their Kami, Uh Camerox. Uh, no uh, right? Yeah, yeah. So that's really the, 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 the baseline that we need to compare. Uh 1950, let's say, right, and how much each respective country has improved since then, right? Uh, Malaysia, why do I describe it as US of ASEAN? Is because uh it actually successfully graduated into the final stage of economic development, which is the service consumption uh economy. Right, because they have agriculture economy, you have your manufacturing economy, right, which is very Chinese today, and then you have your service economy, which is uh, the higher margin element but lower growth than manufacturing. Right. Right. So, um, let me think. huh? if we okay, let's take the unicorn as a, as a model, right, which is South Korea. So South Korea started as a complete marshland with no commodities in uh, post post war two post Korean War. Let's say right, and then you had uh the way it developed was, was was was. I'll give the speed run version. The government partnered with uh, the private sector to create your chables, right? Your chables are basically uh, your symbols of corruption, right? The untouchables. Yes, because what happens is that you want to create a global competitive uh, force like Samsung, right? It, to have the economies of scale to deal to to fight with your American, uh, right, leaders, right? In inter- like your General Electrics, even the, the Japanese guys as well. Yes, correct. So. Obviously, you need to accelerate the development of these chebos because on their own, they are just never going to compete, right? And then you have your protectionist policy, like the way Malaysia has a huge tax tariffs uh, on cars, yes. right? In order to protect them from the outsiders, right? From coming in and comp- competing. Then uh these chebos, right, they have a lot of government help. So a lot of uh, investment was made into your Samsungs, your, your, your LGs, right? to ramp them up to the point where they can be global competitors. And, uh, you know, call it a spade a spade, it's corruption. It's plain, straight up corruption. And uh, these guys to this day have so much influence on politics that, uh, you know, like the latest uh, arrest of, uh, what's the name? Lee Jane Hoo, the last, uh, Park, 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 Park Jung Hae or something, right? The last president uh, uh, was deposed on, uh, on charges of corruption. Right, as well as you know, uh, divination. <laughs> so, uh, she was the corruption part was with Samsung, and the Samsung head actually went to jail for a while, right? right. And it goes up and down. Uh, honestly, some South Korea's politics is worse than Malaysia's. Yeah. okay? Mm-hmm. Uh, but in the process, what you end up doing is that you develop global brands. Now, the, in this context, what does brand mean? It means the owner ownership of the value chain, in contrast to OEMs. OEMS means that the brand owner outsources the bottom part of the value chain us. to people like us, right? Uh, and the difference is that the brand owner, despite only owning about 10% of the value chain, uh, owns, controls 50% of the margins, right? Because we are just doing a voluminous, voluminous uh, uh, low value added manufacturing, right? On their behalf. So Korea is the unicorn example of a national economic development because they ultimately develop a lot of industrial brands right your kias your hyundai's your samsung's why are industrial brands important for an emerging economy because an emerging economy's goal is to transition from agriculture to manufacturing and then to leapfrog that into the service right service means your high income already. so manufacturing is uh where your industrial economy matters all right and if you have a manufacturing powerhouse brand that you can sell to exporters like your Kia cars, your Samsung fridges, right? Uh, you need a lot of industrial development locally in order to realise those exports. Yeah. Right? So for instance, a car, think about what goes into a car, right? Uh, uh, you have steel, you have glass, you have boats, you have nuts, you have semiconductors, you have everything. So you need all these local industries to develop before you can even start have building a car. And then, If you just build a car for local consumption, that's great. If you can build a car for external consumption, that's current account surplus. And when you are a small South Korean economy in the 1970s, that's amazing. So what was our attempt at that? It was proton. Which obviously... Right? So I I have a joke, right? I I talked to my fellow economists. uh, Vin Diesel comes up in a proton, right? And he, he looks around and he said, do you know what they call this car in Malaysia? Proton, right? Which is quite sarcastic now because we know that Proton has more or less Mm, diminished but the word uh, Proton uh, encapsulates a lot of ambition speed you know all this that was our Kia our Hyundai attempt and it failed for lots of reasons uh. but anyway uh, uh, we actually made an honest attempt at it ultimately Malaysia ended up like Proton which is a lot of OEMs right without brand ownership so we keep a lot less of the margin, but we're doing most of the work, most of the manufacturing. So this is the context of Bahate's industrial policy, right? HICOM, do you know what it means? Heavy industri- industrial companies of Malaysia. Right. It was the leftovers of the, con- the conglomerated, right? When we started shifting towards more high income. So the high income barrier uh, threshold is 30,000 USD, right? If you take all the emerging economies of the world today, right? or even those that started in the 1950s, and you put it here, Malaysia is easily in the uh, first quarter, right? right? That is how much further, as evidenced by the fact that Indonesia, Vietnam are down there, right? Hmm. India, including China. What's China's GDP per capita? I can't remember. I think it's lower than Malaysia. Nine or
1: 10. Yeah,
0: nine or 10, right? So um, uh, this is what I mean by Malaysia is ultimately a small cap in the world, right? Uh, A pretty efficient one. Yeah, that has rose from a very low base. Yeah. And not only that, somehow we have managed to develop our own in sustainable internal service economy. Right? To be able to do that in a very diversified manner, right? Is no small feat, you know. It's really, really hard to do that. Right. Uh if you look at Indonesia, right? Indonesia's model.
1: Yeah, okay. yeah. Maybe let's go into each of the yes. ASEAN countries and see how we stack up with them. Yes, And so, why, obviously, it seems like, correct me if I'm wrong, it seems like you are ranking ourselves higher than the rest.
0: Correct. So can you uh, go to a new tab? Go to uh, Google Noah Pinion. Do you know how to spell? Uh, Noah Pinion. And then yeah. type Indonesia. So then you go... Uh, I just go
2: straight to his website.
0: Uh, yeah, if you go to the website, you will scroll a like, You just Google it. Noah Pinion. Okay. And then type Indonesia. So what you will see is that before China became the manufacturing powerhouse of the world, due to the post-WTO agreement in 2001, right? Uh, You know who was the manufacturing powerhouse of the world? It was Indonesia. Mm. When you hear about all those sweatshots about Nike, right? That was an Indonesian factory. The problem is that after the Suharto decline, right, the Asian financial crisis, there was a huge shift away from manufacturing back to agricultural.
1: So it's a bit like a deindustrialization.
0: Yes, yes. So agricultural, keep in mind, doesn't just mean soft commodities like your food stuff, right? It includes commodities. So a lot of export of just base materials, right? uh I cannot remember the exact reason, but one one just explain it here. So if you look at, yeah, yeah, manufacturing right percentage of GDP after the two thousands, right? It just never recovered. Right, going back to all the way in nineteen ninety. Yeah. Right? And what happened here? Uh, the reason is because, uh, mainly benefited. Okay. Uh. Oh right right. The reason is because of China. <laughs> because China came back up and it had a lot of like uh, very favorable trade deals, right? So basically it took market share away from Indonesia's manufacturing. Yeah. Right? But uh, Indonesia is also again poised for good fortunes in the next generation. But putting that aside, right? We can see how Indonesia's economy deindustrialized, industrialized And uh, let's not even talk about graduating to service economy, right? It's very concentrated. If you are talk about chables, uh, right? Uh, Indonesia is a really fascinating economy it has a lot of parallels to both China and Korea so let me give you an example a lot of table like conglo- family conglomerates yep. in Malaysia how many can you really think of right like really like government beneficiaries few right in, in Indonesia you have like straight up 15 off the yeah. top of
1: your head <laughs> actually right? it's, it's great to mention if you look at our export guys right the E&E guys did it by themselves with obviously the help of the pioneer tax status. But that was afforded to everybody, right? Not just one person. Uh, Oil and gas, uh, but Petrona is really a state-owned thingy. Yeah, The glove guys did it on themselves. The plastic guys did it by themselves. All the exporters did it by themselves.
0: Yes. I think a useful analogy to have, right, to remember is that, again, I said before, uh, Malaysia is a small-cap economy. It's important to remember that countries themselves, right, are very, very small organizations. Right, relative to the rest of the world. So they are subject to all the lacks of economies of scale, all the disadvantages. Yeah, yeah. Which is where you get all these accusations or allegations of corruption, of of concentrated power. Right? The reason is because they are operating like a small business and they have to.
1: Yeah, right? and, and of course if they don't concentrate how yeah. are they going to make money? I mean, Singapore is the best example. The, I mean, the concentration of wealth is very high in the government. Correct. You know, automatics of these worlds and stuff like that. But if they don't do that, like how, how, how many slices of pie can you split between, I don't know, power pie uh, between what, five million people?
0: No, more importantly is that you have to fight with your competitors, which is other countries, yeah. other economies, right? So the, in an the industrial economy, the way you do that is economies of scale, right? And these economies of scale, this table model, it's not exclusive to just Malaysia or yeah. uh, Korea. It started with the Zaibatsu in Japan, which began then become today's K right? The sh- the Shosha, uh, the Shosha's, right? The the six that Warren Buffett invested in, yes. And then uh, copied that model was copied successfully by South Korea, the Chebos, and then it become the Z Twenty in China today. Your Alibabas, your Tencents, right? The yeah, the bad. It's them. all an economies of scale PPP story. And then in Malaysia, it was a high comps, right? Which didn't work out. Yes. And in fact, uh, Vietnam, you're seeing a lot of that as well, right? So your Vinhome, Vinh, Vinh something, I forgot. That is the huge, gigantic conglomerate, which is like, I don't know, Samsung level representation of economy, right? Cambodia, don't talk about it. (laughs) Myanmar, also don't need to talk about it, right? Laos, different story, very poor economy. Uh, Thailand... Thailand is less about concentration of wealth, and just more about like uh complete destabilization of politics. Right? Yeah, we can go into that, but yeah. let's not do it.
1: But yeah, so I mean, when you when you look, so you mentioned that when we compare ourselves with Indonesia, uh, you know, Indonesia obviously has the industrialization problem. Yeah, which ranks us higher. But how about moving on to let's let's say Thailand? What what, what are our advantages?
0: No, Thailand is really just a very polarized political environment. Okay, right. That is the real bottleneck because you have the red shirts represented by the elites and the business community, and the yellow shirts represented by the poor, basically the Thaksin uh, branch. Right, and the problem about Thailand is that Bangkok alone is something like fifteen percent of GDP, similar to to Jakarta, Greater Jakarta area. Uh the reason being that if you look at a map on Bangkok, right, maybe you can open the Google maps of Bangkok. Uh yeah. try and see. Uh you will notice right that Bangkok uh, is one gigantic metropolis. Right. And uh-huh. the roads, right, they are all spiderweb towards yes. the capital inside. Uh and so the context is this, right? Uh Bangkok, yeah. Let's okay. Zoom out a bit. Okay, yeah, you see if you zoom out, right, you will see that Bangkok is a very small part of Thailand. Right. I was surprised. I'm repeatedly surprised by how large of a landmass Thailand, Vietnam, and uh Myanmar. Oh, huge,
1: man. Right? Myanmar yeah. is
0: gigantic. It is it is, it extremely is. huge. All right, look at Malaysia's peninsula. <laughs> we are tiny in comparison. Okay, so look if you look closer to Bangkok, why is there so many? You go to Bangkok a lot, is it? <laughs> <Yeah>. Hey, <2010. laughs> okay. So anyway, let's not look 10. at your tourism <laughs> itinerary. But if you look at Bangkok, right, the roads all lead. In a sort of a spider back formation to the central area, and Bangkok alone. Another context is that it is fifteen percent of its. I think more or less there 15, 20 percent of a city. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, which means that the contribution, if you lock jam this one economy, right, uh, city economy, the whole country grinds down to a halt. Yes, and all the political administrative centers are all in the middle there. So what happens is that, uh, if you have a if you want to uh Lock jam the whole country, right? Just throw a protest in the middle of uh, the, of Bangkok, right? Which is what happens, right? And then the whole country grinds to a halt in yeah. terms of economic contribution, right? And um, you know you're not going to be able to change the roads like overnight, right? Of course, the government could move to capital, But again, right? Before it does that, uh, it is very subject to protest risk compared to let's like, say you go and do a protest in Malaysia in KL, right? Uh. The economic centres in K- is, is quite well distributed, as it is in most countries. You have KL, you have Johor, you have Penang, yeah. you have uh, right. So if one shuts down, the other still continue chugging along fine, right? This one you can just do a massive sit down in the, in the capital, right? For one month and the government needs to start talking to you, right? <laughs> so Thailand's issue is okay. The economy is also not really good because, uh, okay, let's finish this one first, uh political because of this, right? Uh, And very, very polarized, uh, split in the middle kind of, uh, uh, you know, political polity. Two, the economy is very hostage to outsiders. 20% of them are uh, tourism, right? Maybe 17%. Uh, You you can probably Google, right? What is the share of exports to GDP? So it is also some large amount, uh, which is why you may have noticed that very uniquely, island's policy rate the central bank rate is close to one percent even prior to covid so when covid hit they had to lower it right and then even today it's only like 1.5 percent there's not a lot of risk hit room in terms of monetary policy yeah and the reason that we keep it so low is because the the growth is just not there organically right or rather is is subject to the wins and fancies of the external economy right if that year has a lot of trade good trade China reopens, well, Titan is going to do really well. If China closes down as it has for the most of the past three years, yeah. you know, your tourism, 20% of your GDP is gone. Yeah, right. So, um, right? Yeah, 17, them, 18%. I mean, that is a crazy amount to be hostage yeah. to your outsiders, right? On top of your exports, which is again very large. And most of the rest of the economy is a very subsistence agricultural-based economy. It's not a robust service. This is the external service-based economy. Malaysia's service economy is very internal. It's like the US. Yes. right. So how, why do I say Malaysia is like US or ASEAN? The Malaysian economy is very, draws uh, a lot of to the US economy. It's very diversified, uh, relatively speaking, right? Uh, it has a huge internal service contribution, right? It is not hostage to external forces, right? And uh, the government, because of this, right, the double-edged sword is that you get low growth because it's so diversity, right? But the government is more or less in control of its own destiny. It can plan 10 years ahead, 20 years ahead kind of thing. When you hear people uh, complain about Malaysia, it's always in the context of what can a government do, right? For the country. It's not really about how can outsiders affect us. Yes. Right? All our problems is internal. It's not really like, oh, uh, maybe now God, like you know? Oh, China interfere, US interfere, you know what I mean? But more or less, right? You don't hear things like, oh, is Indonesia going to do confrontation? It's going to affect our economy. Yeah. Right. For Thailand, they got to worry about South Korea. They got to worry about China. Right? Wait, why
1: does Thailand have to worry about South Korea?
0: Because they export a lot of auto parts to South Korea.
1: Oh, right. Okay. Right.
0: And they get a lot of in- tourism income from China. Mm. So uh, uh, one of the uh, companies on my blog, right, Do They Dream, is a, a skincare company. uh, Quite uh well-known brand locally. right? The number one local brand in skincare in Thailand. Uh. Uh, you know, when China shut down, right? Their yeah, tourism revenue basically evaporated overnight. Yeah, right. So, the I mean, think of a, a Malaysian company which has a similar kind of profile, something like, I don't know, something that is really hostage to a volatile external revenue receipts. What What Malaysian company has that? Um, see, one thing also is struggle. To think no, 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 easy. Right, we are very. People, I think people tend to grass is always greener on the other side. So yes, we have very low growth, right? As a function of being diversified, but low growth also means we have very low risk, relatively speaking, right? And uh, because grass is always greener on the side, people don't really talk about that. Right. But once you move to Thailand and and, and get a Thailand citizenship, then you will start worrying about the risk side. <laughs> right. Right. So end of the day is about trade offs, net trade offs, right? And given that you couldn't even choose where you were going to be born in the world anyway, right? Show you a random spot on the map. I can assure you, you, you the fact that you are planted in Malaysia, right? Uh, you should really be thankful for it. Yeah. If you were in Indonesia, in an ex tier one city, right? You would probably be running some warung, uh, right? Selling spices or, or Indomie packets, right? If you were in Vietnam, you'd be working for one of Paul Hort's factories. Right? Making one of the <laughs> Right, <laughs> Even if you're in China, right? You, it's, a, it's a it's a dice toss whether you end up as one of the rich elites or one of the people working in the
1: Foxconn factories. Actually, right. most people are not well off in China by and large. Yeah.
0: No, la, mo- straight up, most people are just not well off in the world. Yeah. If you are able to listen to this podcast, yes. more or less, you are the T20 of the world. Yes. Global population, right? <sighs> And uh, there's nothing to be shame, ashamed about yeah. about being middle class. Middle class is really solid from a historical perspective. Yeah, yeah. Like we people who live with iPhones and stuff, right? Uh, you're better than Rockefeller already. No, you Rockefeller. Think, yeah, you think about the royalty of the Middle Ages, right? They don't live as comfortably as us. Nowhere, yeah. Right? The only reason you feel depressed is because you're comparing. You not just you, that, there's plenty of advertisement telling you that Yes. You're, you you you're underperforming. Uh, yeah. right? and you, you are a loser if you don't buy a house by 30. <laughs> you're a loser if you don't get married by 30. Yeah. Right? And if you uh fall for it, then uh you will have low self-esteem. Uh. Yeah. But one thing great about being an economist, right, is you really get a historical perspective on things. Right. And you 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 realize where the true median is, right? And uh by virtue of the fact that you are significantly be above the, to the right of the median, uh, when you're talking about coin toss or, or things that depend on luck, like where you were born, what wealth class you were born in, right? Things that you have zero control to begin with, right? Like for me, right, I'm middle class, so what is there a complaint about in Malaysia, middle class? There's really nothing a complaint yeah. No volcanoes, we weren't born in Ukraine, right? Even if you were born in America in the 1960s, you would go to the Korean War and die there, <laughs> yeah. Right, so um, there's well, relative to like dice roll considerations, right? There's really not a lot of yeah. complaint about that, uh, right? You only complain about if you listen to people uh, telling you uh, that you are not good enough for their own reasons, uh,
1: Yeah,
0: right. That's a good point. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So and, and even just from an objective standpoint, right? I've just described Malaysia as a matter of national economic development, right? Is really really high up there, from an emerging market standpoint, right? Like, to to reach a point where you can graduate into high income status thirty thousand US dollars per capita, uh, service based economy, diversified economy, right? Um, diversified means means really relatively low risk, I you know. <laughs> And then uh, more or less in control of your currency risk exposure, right? With huge tailwinds coming, right? I've described before, I think, on your previous podcast about the semiconductor sector, about the fact that we control half of the Malacca Straits, right? Which is 80% of China's foreign gas imports, right? And uh, the geopolitical significance of uh, the Indo-Pacific, happening just at this point in time right imagine if you're an indian right in india uh you know you gotta wait for your son's your son's turn right when India becoming china right or for that matter if you were a, 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 a low-income chinese right in china yeah you gotta wait for the next generation before you can say all these things now we are enjoying all the fruits of geopolitics uh, uh significance right coalescing around this part of the world that's all luck you know Right. So if you're a Malaysian business, I can tell you la, as a matter of fact, la, Malaysia GDP is going to grow from here. Right. As a matter of external factors. Nothing to do with our our own credit. Right? It's just a really lucky time. Right? The analogy being similar to China post-WTO. Yeah. Right. So you know a lot of people like to say that uh China raised 400 million out of poverty over the past 20 years, right? Well, that same phenomenon is going to happen for ASEAN, right? Mostly in Indonesia and Philippines, just by virtue of their population and low base effect. But Malaysia, other than Singapore, is the only nation, and Brunei, right, is the only nation that has a relatively robust bureaucracy at scale. So our ease of doing business index is yes. really high on index, right? Uh, we have very good red tape. So red tape, people always complain about red tape in terms of slow, right? Inefficient, but red tape also means things are established, institutions are strong, right? So again, grass is always greener on the other side. Try and go do business in Vietnam, right? I've heard anecdotally that uh, everything requires a a, a, a under the table, right, yeah. right? And in fact, foreigners, foreign companies who go to Vietnam to do business, don't actually go there and do their own business. They 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 establish a, a, a Vietnam subsidiary, right? Let a local Vietnamese run it and then uh, use a royalty system. Why? Because they have no confidence of uh, observing the culture of that, mm. right? Uh, I mean, we could really go into it, uh, all the comparisons. Uh, like Thailand right, is known for being a culture of liars. Uh, right? mm-hmm. <laughs> like straight up, Thailands will tell you that, that uh, are kind of proud of the fact that they are liars. Uh, wow. right? uh, I, I, please uh, don't, don't, I'm not racist. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And then uh, Indonesia, right? Indonesia is a really, really fascinating economy. Indonesia, they have a lot of natural resources. They have a lot of uh they have a lot of table like business entities right? Right. No, so Selim the economies of right, scale are yeah. there, right? Yes, yeah, Salim Group is one. The largest uh, instant noodle manufacturer in the world. And their politics, right, is just next level of of chaotic. If you think see I'm Malaysia, right, we are chaotic because in terms of uh the top guy changing all the time, right? That's kind of it. <laughs> Indonesia started from a very socialist uh uh background, right? Yeah, because so
1: carnal, right? Uh, yes,
0: because they were uh pretty much abused by the Dutch, and then uh, after that, it was developed into a corruption-based Chukong relationship between Suharto and the current business dynasty owners, like your Salims, your what's the guy's name? You, you get the point, right? Uh, and then you have your very Islamic nationalists. You have a very strong communist participation there, right, the PKI. And then you have your nationalists like uh, Goka, right, which is your uh, Bumbung Yudihano. What's his name, right? You heard before, right? I have not heard this The part. guy who, yeah. Uh, as well as your PKI, which is your Jokowi, right? your Megawattis, Right. Uh, I, I, I can tell you that like, Indonesia's way political more, scene right, is way, way more complex than Malaysia. Malaysia is pretty straight up, you know, in uh, Malay versus Chinese. Yeah. And then within the Malay uh, branches, you Ibra have right, fighting yeah. for individual self-interest. It's not an ideological component, which is a lot harder to overcome, right? Yeah, the individual self-interest is really a lot about corruption and stuff like that, yeah. right? That's a lot easier to overcome, right? As someone who believes socialist is the way Communist is the way; Islam is the way. You know what I mean. Like the people will die for that. You know, people don't die for self-interest, right? Right. Uh, Philippines again, right? You <laughs> have the rise of Bonong Junior, uh, Marcus Junior, whose father was uh, famous infamously responsible for the purchase of the people, People's Power Party, right? And then the subsequent sorry, People's Power Party was the subsequent Aquino's uh, revolution, uh, who was killed right on the airport tarmac. Right, on his way back from overseas and then replaced by his wife. And then subsequently you had, what was after Aquinos? Yeah, and then Duterte, right? So the Duterte, I mean, if you really want to go into the really like sneaky stuff, right? we can. Uh, it's, no, it's, it's fine. Yeah, but but I've
1: one question, maybe this is my last question and, and Leon can follow up so that yeah. uh, Singapore, uh, right? Yes. Uh, they are the heart Yes. Of ASEAN, whether we like it or not. They are the richest on a per capita basis. Yeah. And of course they are the envy of a lot of Malaysians, ah. But what will you say to this whole situation?
0: I think first of all it's important to remember that Singapore is basically a city. Right? Yeah. So it's a lot easier to administrate. The pebble stuff, yeah. Yeah, than to administrate a country. Right. Like uh, I'm not sure if you know this, but the median household income of Malaysia is something like Seven thousand, so for two person household it's three thousand five, right? That is more typical of a country with large populations, right? What you get from Singapore, Hong Kong, that likes right, uh, is really uh special because it's a city, right? Like you, I'm not sure if you've been to Singapore. Oh you yeah, many times. Yeah, yeah. You have people like uh just holding signs at the MRT telling you to line up. Right, and then the sweepers uh, are are just a dime a dozen on the street, right? So these are government jobs for because the country only has to make expenses at a city scale in mind, right? MITs can arrive once every two minutes. I heard people complaining that when you arrive at three minutes, they start complaining. Uh, three minute interval <laughs> in Malaysia it's about like ten minutes, right? Why? <laughs> because the MRT has to travel a much further distance, and it's, it's always expanding.
1: Yes. Right. Last time there was no Sri Petaling, no Setia Alam. Now there's Setia Alam, Sui Petaling. Correct. But Singapore is Singapore. Correct. Right. Reclaimed land. That's it. Yes.
0: And Singapore is also uh, a, a quite contingent on external trade. Yes. Uh, for its much uh,
1: more contingent uh,
0: yes. So, uh, and and as well as for its protection, right? So it is really very hostage to external politics. Yeah. Right. So, um.
1: Uh, I would say like, the, even though they earn a lot more, I think my guess is that their cost difference is bigger than their earnings difference in compared to Malaysia. Mean it means another discussion. No, like for example, I mean, that's why they have the HDB, right? They need okay. to subsidize housing costs oh, yes, for yes. people earning Singapore money. Yeah, yeah. Right, we have no such HDB in Malaysia. I wish there was HDB. Where 30-40%. Oh, no, I mean, I mean on a selfish level lah, where I'll get a 30-40% discount on my houses.
0: I mean, I'm not sure because what I've heard is that HDBs have risen in price quite a bit. It has, year. but yeah. the
1: the way HDB functions is that it takes away the land cost for oh. Singaporeans. Yeah, see a lot of people don't know this. Like yeah, yeah, they yeah, yeah. A, so is the equivalent. Okay, what is the what is the median household price in Malaysia? I'm sure you know this.
0: No, uh, or, or median.
1: Oh, no, yeah, I don't, I don't know. Okay, it's about half a million. Okay. If we had a HDB, that would be equivalent, right, of us having our median price drop from 500 to 300,000. Because the land cost has been taken away. The government sure. subsidizes this. No,
0: here's the thing, right? There is a decent apples to apples comparison, mm. but it's not a re- realistic in
1: reality it doesn't work that way eh? yeah yeah, yeah, I, yeah i know but i'm yeah. just saying right the i, I believe uh, that the cost yeah yeah food outside of food right is a lot higher compared to the earnings potential sure i so, think we were we saw a street interview right i sent you yes, yes everyone was like if you ask malaysians like how much do they need a month to be satisfied right i think most of them will say Know. I mean, most overnight, right? For like yeah, even, yeah, for yeah, for a single person, right? Yeah, what would you say as a single person mm. overnight in KL? You,
0: you to be satisfied means comfortable,
1: Yeah, to be yeah. enough, three k, nah, three, yeah, to be But Aaron is a oh. special breed.
2: Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I would say between at least five to six. So no, yeah. it also depends
0: yeah. on what you mean by comfort. Like, yeah, if
1: you're talking correct. About, I think- No, no, I, but it's a
0: general point. Every yeah, has their own vision, yeah, yeah, right?
1: Yeah. So you know what Singaporeans answer? 10K, Sing dollars. No, uh, uh, yeah.
2: 10, 12K. 10, you know, 12K, Sing, sing dollars. dollars. Yeah, yeah.
1: Then if combined must be double or triple that. Sure, sure. Yeah. And the the people who being interviewed, they were singles. Yeah.
2: Okay, yeah, they were singles. And when so we is we it, obviously, obviously, yeah. it's
1: not a very scientific comparison. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But the general point is that the dollar here Yes, it's a lot more relevant, a lot stretchable than the dollar yes. in Singapore. No, I think food, food aside, their food is really cheap. I understand
0: where you're coming from, where, yeah. where the premise is you're comparing between Malaysia and Singapore.
1: Correct, correct. I would ask you to zoom out a little bit
0: compared to the whole world, right? City-states are actually an anomaly. Right? Correct. Like, how many are there? There are Vatican City, yes. Hong Kong. And that's why Singapore
1: uh, is Singapore. a lot better than Hong Kong for me to yeah. live, 100%. Right.
0: No, like, like you... I don't think it's even apples to apples comparison to put a city state versus a country
1: mm, because exactly.
0: the expenditure, the allocation, right, 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 right. contribution—they're all very, very different. Right, just as an example, you could impose, uh, GST on or increase GST on Singapore recently, right? And people don't don't really riot because, uh, they're rich enough, right? Like your per capita distribution of GDP, right, is just a lot more democratic when there's so much fewer people to consider. Think about it this way, if KL were in isolation, it would be a lot easier to administrate than the whole of Malaysia, including your Sarawak, Borneo states. You know how complex politics becomes the bigger your scale is? Of course. Yeah, I mean, yeah, Yeah. think about it in terms of politics, instead of economy, then you will start to see why you cannot really compare as apples to apples thing. right? Like Like, like, uh, Anua has to please Avangjo. he has to please what's yeah. the, the, the Sabah guy's name right yeah, Lee Singapore, doesn't care la. yeah right please straight up right you can just like he's my he's backyard la. yeah uh, and we don't even need to go into like the details. you we're just talking about scale right it's not apples to apples at yep. all I, I think people who make that comparison are making a comparison because someone gave them the idea Right. Right. If you are truly an economist and look at things scale, so compare Malaysia and Singapore and South Korea, Malaysia and Singapore and China, Malaysia and Singapore and uh, I know Cuba, right? Uh, you know that there are one hundred and ninety seven countries in the UN. Uh, right, Malaysia is easily number seventy five. Right, I mean you compare us to like Tuvalu, <laughs> right? Uh, Ethiopia, uh, you know uh, Turkey. Right, things that are not in the new Syria, uh. Right, if you're talking about where could I have been born, just throw a dice roll, right? Yeah, yeah I could be born there, Chile. You know, Chile to this day is still having uh, <laughs> still the political situation is still very, very shaky. Yeah, uh, Argentina, Venezuela, Mexico, just a doorstep away from Texas, right? And for that matter, you could have been born in uh straight up like uh Iowa, within the USA, right, and not do well. You can have be been born in Kuantan, right, and and not be as well as off as an urbanite, yeah. right? So when you're talking about luckiness, right? Yes. If you're an urbanite in Malaysia, you are globally really really lucky. Right?
1: Yeah. So I I think that's it from me, Leon. Do you have any uh, uh, questions? Yes, I think I think. It, Maybe for the
2: benefits of FIRO's listeners, right? Like all the things that you've been that we've talked about in this podcast, you know, like the the, the macroeconomic in, uh, indicators for Malaysia in comparison to the other ASEAN countries, right? So of course, this is uh, not anything to indicate any form of financial advice, but you know, after talking about all this, how can you know people who are looking to invest into stocks apply this knowledge, right? Like, what are you? Uh, bullish in ASEAN stock uh, ASEAN in general and if yes like how how does one capitalize on this knowledge in order to invest and make money of course saying again not financial
0: advice yeah okay so when we're talking about macroeconomics right uh, you have to work with country wide country level time frames so to see the fruit of these discussions everything we discuss it's a minimum of 10 years kind of thing yes yes so uh it's not going to be like, oh, what's gonna happen in the next two years, you know, like that's just that's just not how it works, right? Mm-hmm. But if you're talking about like secular long term long-term tailwinds, right? Yeah, you know, I mean Penang is seven percent of global temp for semiconductor testing equipment. Yes. Right. Trailing edge uh semiconductor testing, sorry, semiconductor sector will be dominated by China, right? To a huge extent. Mm. Right. So, you know, those uh call it 14 nanometer and above kind of thing that goes into your cars, your calculators, your 5G base stations, right? Those things will be dominated by China and uh, Penang is going to be a huge beneficiary. Um, if you're talking about oil and gas, right? So Malaysia is a huge or relatively large oil and gas producer, right? And uh, wow, the oil and gas story globally, the secular undersupply story is just incredible, extremely amazing, right? I know oil prices are down now, but, uh, you know, there's a Bloomberg interview, right? Where Analyst is basically saying, it was asked Why are oil prices down after everything you said? Which is very bullish. Uh, And the answer was, we don't know, right? We're just monitoring, right? So there is probably some good reason for it, but we don't know what is it. Mm. But what I can say for sure is that it does not reflect anywhere close to the demand supply situation globally, secularly, right? I have an article on uh, uh, CNI, Canadian National Railway, which is basically a commodities, uh, picks and shovels uh, kind of thing, right? And uh, you can go and read out on why oil and gas will continue to dominate our lifetimes, uh, right? right? This lifetime. So oil and gas is also like, like, wow, you know? Uh, In terms of like, and then you have a lot of, so the EV transition is also going to dominate Right? It's just that oil and gas is not gonna sit as badly as people think. Indonesia has a huge nickel, uh right, non-blood diamond kind of situation for battery manufacturing. Yes, yes. Right? Tesla. Uh like I said, uh Malacca Straits represents 20% of China's oil and gas imports. Sorry, 80%, right? So anything to do with that is uh Going to be very geopolitically important. Very interesting, right? Uh, Indonesia is is two hundred seventy four million population, right? Uh, if you really go into it, like I have in my Park articles, you will see that the economy is a lot of potential, very diversified, and starting from an incredibly low base relative to their potential, right? Philippines has half of Indonesia's population, hundred and thirty million. Is also becoming very geopolitically significant because of the first island chain, right? And, and you know recently he has picked a side, right? So um and uh again it's a low base effect. So what a low base effect does, right? Is basically you have a working age population which is young. Then what that does for your GDP growth is that they have a lot of discretionary income. Disposable means what you take home. Discretionary means after your fixed expenses like your food, your mortgage, your yes. car installments, right? discretionary income growth of these uh, units, right, start from a significantly lower base than what Malaysian urbanites are familiar with. And the growth rate from there is just going to be amazing. Just think about it. Uh, Vietnam's GDP growth, right, for the next 10 years is about 7% forecasted. Kegel, okay, 7% Kegel. I think your discretionary income growth is going to be significantly more than that, uh, double, maybe even triple. Right? So think about what that would mean for the consumption, yeah, right. I mean, you know, like your LCCs, uh, right? All mm-hmm. uh, right. And mm-hmm. an LCC no is cost not, carriers, right? LCCs, yeah. yeah. That's not a Vietnam-specific... That's not a Vietjet thing, huh? That's... The ASEAN, the ASEAN thing. Yeah, right? It's all ASEAN airlines with the Open Sky Policy, right? Thailand. Okay, I don't know much about Thailand. Vietnam. Vietnam, Indonesia, Philippines. Uh... Singapore is going to become an international hub for ASEAN, right? And uh, Malaysia, like I said, very good ease of doing business, strong bureaucratic institutions, and a 20% Chinese population, right? So I know some people might say that it's not that important. Some economists might say that, which is true relative to the underlying stuff, like your strong bureaucratic institutions, your fiscal position. But that is universal across all industries. So you have a in uh, added like a like a teaser like a dessert, right? Which is you have a huge Chinese space with a huge semiconductor industry, which, for some fortuitous reason, is suddenly becoming very geopolitically significant, right? Like I mean, five years ago, nobody was talking about it. Yep. Right, and we we're talking about countries. We we're talking about generational time spans. Yep. Right, I mean, think about something like India. You know a very uh, centralized economy with a very politically dominant regime right very uh, diversified and non non administratively uh, convenient uh, cultural base right the states there is just like I don't know I think they are like what 100 different (laughs) right cultures and they all have their own internal (laughs) caste exactly you don't even need to be racist to be discriminated right so um eh, sorry Indians. Okay, not being racist here. But uh you get the point uh, you know, <laughs> like ASEAN is just in this in this like really lucky uh timeline, <laughs> right? Like everything just seems to be working out, work moving to it. On top of that, you have the shift of manufacturing economy out of China due to two things. One, a higher labour pool cost. So now we are placing them, right? Vietnam is already halfway there. And two, also the geopolitical situation, yeah. right? So, uh, you know, let's say you're an you're iPhone manufacturer, right? You can move to Vietnam, right? But then maybe your democratic sensitivities might be affected by their communist regime, right? Uh, then you might move to Singapore because it's very legal, right? Lawful. But, uh, you know, you won't have enough land to build your factories. So you may incorporate headquarters in Singapore and then you might choose between Indonesia or Malaysia.
2: Open the right? manufacturing the plant.
0: Right? And where will you open if you were Foxconn with a Chinese management team? Maybe Foxconn is a bad example, but you get my point, right? Johor. East of Johor. Total. F- you know how big Johor is? Right? Have you, have oh. you seen a map of Johor? Let's, let's just it's just bigger it's, it's huge, you know, the amount of empty land there, like Mua, your your upper regions, right? East, east no, uh, yeah, Johor. Just enter...
1: I mean, there is Pengarang as well. Pengarang is on the east, right? Or is it the west? East, I think. My mouse, right.
0: no more battery. Really. Just, yeah, just kept, right. right? You just look at how Singapore the right? And then you, you scroll out, and then you look at the whole yeah. of Johor.
1: It's a pebble. Right?
0: Do you, know, do you know how much undeveloped land there is all the way to Kermas? Eh? There's so much undeveloped land, and the east coast eh? is prime for another terminal, you know? Yeah. And the ECRL is running along there. So when that's completed, when the China One Belt Road policy is, is, is uh effected in ASEAN in let's say the next 10 years, plus the HSR coming down from KL, right, that leads all the way to Laos, right, through Thailand, um just think about how much external GDP contribution there is going to be the uh, current mm. account surplus, as well as the multiplier effect on the local consumption. Yeah. Local economy. So all your Mersing... I'm a Malaysian, sorry, i never heard of it before. Kuala yeah. Rompin, okay, right? Uh, this area, right, is if you put a pot at Mersing, right, uh, a gigantic free trade zone, right? I tell you, the multiplying effect in this area is just going to be incredible. right? And then you have Tioman there, right? yeah. which is already a globally recognized location, right? That's just Melaka, right? talk about Kelantan. Johor you mean. Uh, sorry, this is by Johor, right? Talk about, uh, go up to Chungano, Kelantan, Anecdotally, uh, one, of my, one of my friends is uh, one of the biggest uh, coffee bean suppliers. Uh. And uh, he said his highest growth in terms of volume is now coming from Kelantan, which is very surprising because you don't tend to associate Kelantan with like coffee discretionary beauty. income wealth, yeah. right? income ex, uh, spending. And I asked him why, because I know the context. He is one of the bigger uh, suppliers in KL. So he says growth. So KL is big. Volume-wise, but already saturated, right? People, I've done the math, right? Short version, right? People will spend, not people, one cafe in Kelantan, right, can generate up to four hundred ringgit of receipts from coffee alone. A day. A day. One cafe, right? And uh, he said, uh, if you stay in KL, you will not know this. If you actually go to Kelantan, you will see a lot of new wealth being created. So someone who is a typical DAP voter, right? You'll yeah. probably not know this, you know, because you don't even bother to look. Correct. You actually go what there. Is Kelantan, so. so then, right, my question then becomes where is the money coming from? I suspect there's a lot of East Coast trade coming in there. Right? It's just that we don't hear it in the news because it's just not popular enough or not depressing enough. Right. Yeah, there's also one more uh there's a five billion Alliance steel uh uh investment yes, yes. in a Malaysian China industrial park in Kelantan. Okay, you go to yeah, you go to my 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 four Q GDP uh so well, this is a re- relatively recent investment that didn't make any headlines, but it's 5 billion in size, you know. And now this is just one project of a huge industrial park, yeah. basically a free trade zone, right? No, no it's a free, trade, free free tax industrial park, you know. Uh, 5 billion for one project, you know. And in look Kuantan at what the name or. is. It's called Malaysia China Quantan Industrial Park,
1: MCKIP. What uh the, the, the industries that are going to be there will be the semicons and all, right, all that.
0: No, no, no. Semicons will be on the buy on the past side. Right. Or, the, or the sovereign price set. This one will be more in, uh, typical China Industrial factory. products. Uh. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Low value added manufacturing like your widgets, right? They are moving out of China because of uh, higher, yeah, uh, higher yeah. costs. Very nice. To, M- to Kuantan, which presumably
1: is. Pahang. And I haven't even- get Finally, it. East Coast being relevant.
0: ECIL, yeah. <laughs> I tell you, that yeah. is a That's huge Finally, the
1: East Coast yeah. is relevant. Because I, I, I read, just is a fun, fun story, right? When yeah, the election yeah. happened, right? And we all know how divided it was. I was just thinking, you know, what if uh, we split Semenanjong, we take, uh, we take Penang, Perak, uh, Kaiselengor, uh, Negeri Sembilan, Melaka, I don't know about Negeri Sembilan. I don't know what else is there except Siupa and Anthony Lok. Melaka mm. uh, and then Johor will be on the uh, government side and then uh, let okay. uh, Kedah, Kelantan, Pahang and Perlis to be on the other side. Because I was thinking like, what the hell do they have, you know? Outside like yeah. <laughs> also Gunting, I don't I don't have a reason to visit any of these yeah, yeah. Uh, areas, right? Kedah, I, I, yeah, not nothing. No, we, like sure with, we yeah. with this, right? Maybe I'm eating my own words. <laughs> so honestly, I I I am I'm, I'm uh quite open to going up there for holiday, my friends, just to have a yeah. look. Yeah, yeah, Redang, I always say Redang, Genting, Keropok Leko <laughs> and uh, what's in Kedah? No, I think I where you go, you
0: go Scomnet to Scottnet is You go to YouTube, right? Yeah. You go and search, uh, you know, this Angmoa. Uh, yeah. They have the Caucasians, right? They have those. They travel sc- around Malaysia. Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. You know, Specifically search Kwantan or Changanuna. You see it's quite different from what you expect. Okay, I haven't even gotten to Sarawak. Sarawak, right, is its own internal state economy, right? Being managed independently of Pochangaya, right? Effectively. Yeah. Right. Go talk to a Sarawakian, right, to tell you about what. Uh, the, the typical sarang polity thinks about right it is really an industrial story growth story right there is a lot going on there since GPS came to power seriously the thing is the thing is that right, most people only rely on news that is fed to them spoon fed to them right so obviously if it's spoon fed to you and the algorithm thinks you like cats it's only you're going to see cat yeah. videos right if you actually step out of your comfort zone and just google stuff it's Immediately available, right? Yeah. You will see there's a lot of development uh, activity going on in Malaysia, which is relevant to our current industrial life cycle. Uh, sorry, current national economic development life cycle, right? And there's a lot of reason to be optimistic uh, of uh, foreign contribution to our GDP in the next decade or so. Yeah, easily. I, 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 yep. I can honestly say, right, in 10 years' time, Malaysia is going to be different. And this is echoed by uh one of my uk friends who is a really really i really look up to his uh macro uh research skills right he comes here he says that malaysia may you know you may you may see all the news about 1db and stuff but when i come here i see the huge difference when i was here that 12 years ago right in terms of like uh the development has been going on the mrt right and also your institutions are very robust. Because even though your political situation is like this.
1: It's still functioning. Yeah,
0: your yeah, your 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 poor guys, right? Oh, he didn't say poor la. your people who are middle income, middle class, and even to some extent upper class, just don't get affected in their day-to-day. 100%. As opposed to something like even the US, you know, every time the administration changes, right, your 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 small guy gets affected by the policy shift, right? Uh in terms of like gun favoritism, yeah. in terms of oil and gas. Jobs in uh, the the commodity sector, the renewable sector, Uh, by virtue of its very uh, melting pot population, diverse base, right, with lots of ideologies, right. America's polity is very, very, I wouldn't use the word fractured, it's very, very fluid, right? Every time you change from Republican to Democrat, right, there is a a, huge change. That affects the day to day life of the of yeah, the guy yeah. in Malaysia. Not so, you no. know, right? No matter who is on top, right? We don't really feel the end. Ninety percent of our life uh, just doesn't get affected. You know what gets affected? Only the stuff that you that 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 other people tell you. Yes. That's where you start getting angry, right? right? If nobody came and tell you, let's say you shut yourself in under a rock uh, you probably wouldn't even notice it. Right? Yep. Not? Yeah. So even a guy from the UK very respectable analyst with a lot of historical background, right, can tell you that Malaysian yeah. institutions are strong.
1: And if he's from the UK, he knows yeah. what <laughs> bad government is and what bad economy is. Uh. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. Uh, look, uh, it's great. I'm sure, I mean, as usual, there's a lot more to talk about. Um, but before I let you go, I, I actually wrote a tweet about oh, yeah, right, two weeks yeah. ago. Talk about what your handle is. Uh uh yeah, it's at MJ, uh MJ Gani G N N Y, but the tweet was this you know thirty-two point five billion US dollars was added to the Malaysian economy in 2020, 8.7% growth. Uh that's more than Philippines, which had 30 billion, Vietnam 29 billion, Thailand 16 billion, Singapore 15 billion. Uh only losing out to Indonesia, which is about 63 billion. For obvious reasons, I mean they're like huge. Um how did you take advantage of this? Or do you spend most days complaining about how bad the economy is? <laughs> when you put it in th- th- those perspectives, yeah, maybe you can pull up. When you put it in those perspectives, right? um, It gets you to think simulation, right? Because hey, 32.5 billion USD was added into the economy. That's roughly hundred twenty hundred thirty billion, And here you are saying that, you know, there you go. Yeah. Here you are saying that, uh, you know, complaining about this and uh, whatever. Yeah. And I know for a fact that many people are taking advantage of you, And the people who are taking advantage of this are not the ones complaining. Right. Okay. <laughs> that's that's my point of view. Yeah. So, yeah. I thought I'd end the podcast uh, with that. Um, I think everyone knows where to find you already, right? They can watch the previous podcast. And now, of course, we put links in the comment and sections. But Leon, any uh, final words before we uh, sign off?
0: No, no. Yeah, actually, oh, if you want to have fun, right, you can go to the Pocket Stats. I yeah. The second tab, you can see the breakdown, which sector got the FDI.
1: Ah, yes. <laughs> or you can go to yeah. Miti, correct? Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. More or less. Uh.
1: Yeah, you can go to Miti and my, see the,
0: the, my, my, argue, my article actually has an interview, with Bumble interview with Safro. Ah. And he says some interesting stuff.
1: Okay, okay. Yeah. All right, guys. Thanks for uh, staying always the way. It's two hours. Fantastic podcast. Thanks for coming on, Aaron. Uh um, okay, maybe you can do something different the next round and guys uh you know as usual uh if you like our content you know um uh, like comment subscribe use the stuff follow us on spotify as well go watch some of our other videos um and yeah signing off bye bye yeah
0: and uh minister afizi yeah. as well as yes. Governor looking forward to our coffee session yes please.